Amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank all of you for taking part in worship. Thank our choir and our praise team and all of you for taking part. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This morning I want to share a sermon with you that I've just simply entitled The Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at three passages to begin with and I'll refer to several scriptures. But if you would, just uh, take good notes. But we'll look at Philippians chapter 2 and then John 13 and Acts chapter 2. And then I'll throw some more in as we go along. If you would look at Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, and we want to read, it's a familiar passage perhaps, because I'm speaking on the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Beginning with verse 5 through 11, Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now if you would look to John chapter 13. John 13. Jesus is speaking. John 13. And we're going to look at verse 13. Jesus says in John 13, 13. You call me teacher and Lord. And you say well. For so I am. So Jesus is saying I'm teacher and I'm Lord. Acts chapter 2, uh, we'll look at uh, verse 36. Acts two thirty-six. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we have to, to worship you this morning, and now we come to part of worship where we open your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher and guide this morning. Teach us, O Lord, your word. And Father, help us not to be just hearers only, but doers of your word. And God, I pray for each person here today. And Father, I pray that every person here, and those who are viewing, those who are listening, that everyone in the sound of my voice, Father, has confessed you as Lord of their life. We pray now that you would be with us as we continue our time together. May you be honored and glorified in it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in a society today which seeks to reject authority. Authority is challenged in the family. God set the parents in authority in the home and not the children. 
God, uh, the authority is not only challenged in the, in the home, but it's challenged in our schools. Authority is challenged also in our community. We're all aware of the defund the police movement in some of our northern states and our west coast cities, and we know what all that has brought. However, without authority, our society would go into collapse. It would collapse and go into, we'd go into total chaos and anarchy. Someone has said this, every ship must have a captain, every kingdom must have a king, Every home must have a head if they are to function in a positive and productive way. And I got to thinking about that. If that's true about society, if that's true about kings and captains, why would it not be true for the kingdom of God? And so the question today is this. Who has final authority in your life? Who has final authority in your life? Now, there are two alternatives. First of all, you do. You're your own boss, and you do your own thing, and nobody's going to tell you what to do. Or, either you or God does. The Master does. So you have your hand upon your life, or the Master has His hand upon your life. And so if you're taking notes, a real short outline. Number one, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I've talked to some people who say that you can be saved and not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. However, I suggest to you this morning that the Bible teaches that if Jesus is not your Lord, now listen, if He's not your Lord, then He's not your Savior. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord, and if He doesn't have complete control over your life, you're either lost or you're backslidden. In Acts chapter 10, verse 36, the Scripture simply stated that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. He's Lord over all. See, Jesus was not given a meaningless name. He was given that name Lord for a supreme purpose. That word Lord, kuros, in the Greek, that, that denotes power and authority and control. And so the point is today someone or something has power and authority and control over your life. And perhaps it's yourself. Perhaps it's a, a, an addiction. Maybe drugs or maybe alcohol, tobacco. Several types of addiction. Maybe it's another person. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a thing such as a job or, or a hobby. Maybe it's pleasure takes your life over. Or maybe, maybe it's money. That's something that has power over the lives of people. So the point is, Jesus Christ has been exalted by God and given the name Lord with all power and authority and control. And today, you either have submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ or you have rejected the, Lord, uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And so with that in mind, you say, well, Brother Sammy, what, is the, what does the Scripture say? Well, John 13, verse 13, Jesus said, if you remember, He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for such am I. Jesus said, I'm teacher, and I'm, I'm Lord, I'm master. Some translations say master. I'm master, I'm teacher, but then I'm also Lord. The word for master there means instructor. It means teacher. The Lord was addressed 31 times in the New Testament as master, teacher. 
In the Lord's day, while he was on earth, master was, was known as a teacher or a rabbi. Master was kind of a common word used by, by students for their teacher. So uh, students today, instead of saying Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so, you would say Master. Master. Not many, when Christ was on earth, not many were teachers. They were all rabbis, all, all male. But the word Lord denotes something completely different. It denotes power and authority. And so John 13, 13, Jesus acknowledges that he's both. He's teacher and he's also Lord. Now in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, there's a, uh, there's a question there. The scripture says... Uh, you have made Jesus Lord and Christ. And so Jesus has been made Lord, and He's been made Christ. But let me ask you this. Have you received Him into your life as Lord, as Christ, as Lord, as the Messiah, as Lord and the Savior? Have you received Him into your life as Lord and Master, Savior, John 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Have you received him into your life? Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the question is this, what are we to confess with our mouth? Here's what we're to confess. The Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, the one, Kuros, the one that has all power and authority and control. Have you received the Lord in your life? Have you given him the power and authority and control over your life? You see... This morning, do you really believe that Jesus is Lord, that, that He's Lord over all, that He's rightfully an absolute Lord and Master of your life and person? Because Acts chapter 10, 36 says that He is Lord over all. He has the power and authority over all. You know, the first creed of the church was simply this. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's the first creed of the church. And lordship permeated throughout the New Testament. Lordship was a, the pinnacle of Peter's sermon at Pentecost. It was all about the Lord. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He says this, and listen to this. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. This is Peter preaching both Lord and Christ. So, first of all, if you take a note, Jesus is Lord. You don't make Jesus Lord, you submit to His Lordship over your life. God's already gave Him that name and that position. He's Lord. But secondly, if you take a note, when do I submit to the Lordship of Christ? The moment you get saved. If you've made a profession of faith, and you say, I've trusted Jesus Christ, when you did that, you submitted to His Lordship. You're saying, you are the Lord of my life. You have all power and authority control over my life. Have, have you done that? Is that true in your life? Is He your Lord? 
So when you get saved, you're not accepting Christ in separate offices. You're not accepting Christ as, as Savior and then later accept Him at, as Lord. It doesn't work that way. You accept Jesus Christ for who He is. He is Lord and Christ. Okay? Lord and the Messiah. So wherever you are today, wherever how you're viewing, if you're here or if you're viewing some way or listening, you fall into one of three categories. This audience here today, you're in one of three categories. Number one, you've never submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And the Bible says you're lost. Number two, you have submitted to the Lordship of Christ and you're trying to follow Him and be obedient to Him. Or number three, you've submitted to the Lordship of Christ, but for whatever reason, you're backslidden and you, He doesn't have that control over your life like He should. One of three. Now, in Acts chapter 10, 36, Peter did something here. He says, He is Lord of all. He made that statement. Now, if you look back, if you look back to chapter, that was chapter 10, verse 36, and chapter 10, verse, uh, I believe, 14. Let me look at that just a moment. Acts chapter 10, verse 14. I believe uh, we'll look at uh, 10, 13. Look at 10 and 13. If you have your Bibles. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So what happened? Peter, Peter is in this vision that God's bringing to him. And he drops a sheet down from heaven. And, all, and this sheet is filled. He was hungry. Peter was hungry. Real hungry. Real hungry. And so God drops his sheet down before him. And all of these unclean animals that a Jew would never eat. It was all, all, all of those were against the food law that's before Peter. But God says, take, kill, and eat. And this is what Peter said. He said in verse 13, God says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, No, not so, Lord. Now that's really important. Not so. The word not so simply means uh, uh, I'm not going to do it. Uh, it means in the NIV says, or NSV says, By no means. The ESV says, By no means. What he says is, he says, kill and eat. And Peter says, I'm not going to do it. Lord. You see anything strange on that? About that? He, he said he did not do what Christ told him to do. At the same time, he confessed him Lord. The point being, it's either not so Lord or it's Lord. When you have both of those together, if you have not so Lord together, then you have a contradiction, the Lordship. You cannot deny what the Lord tells you to do and say Lord at the same time. That's what Peter did. Peter said his own opinion against God. God, what God wanted him to do. And he said, I'm not going to do it. So this morning, are you doing what Peter did? When the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray, do you say, not so, Lord? When the Holy Spirit is, is uh, speaking to you about uh, serving in some way here at the church, you can't say, not so, Lord. You can't say no and profess Him as Lord. If He's your Lord, then He has all power and authority and control over your life. 
You can't say Lord and be disobedient at the same time. If he's calling you to preach and he, you say, not so, Lord. If he's calling you to be a missionary, not so, Lord. If he's calling you to attend Sunday school, you think it's God's will for you to attend Sunday school. Do you really? But you say, no, I'm not. Not so, Lord. There's, there's, a, there's a problem with that statement. It was with Peter's and it is with ours. Matthew 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of the Father which is in heaven. Isaiah 26, verse 13, Isaiah said, We've submitted to other lords. We've, God, we've had other lords in front of us. So today, do you have other lords? Is self a lord that you're using to deny to do what Christ wants you to do? Is self a lord? Is your hobbies a lord? Is money a, a, a lord? Is the habits a, 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 a lord? Is sin a lord in your life that's preventing you from obeying what Christ wants you to do? Something that has power and control over your life other than Jesus Christ? Don't never forget this. Christ will never reign over a divided kingdom. He won't do that. Jesus is Lord. When do I submit to Him? When you get saved, you submit to Him. What does Lordship really mean? What's involved in Lordship? Point number three. Let me hurry this through. What does Lordship mean? What's involved in Lordship? First of all, full surrender is involved. Total surrender. Romans 14, 9, For to this end Christ died and rose again and lived again that, that He might be Lord of both dead and living. I mean, total submission to the Lord Jesus. Galatians 2, 20, we talked about this last uh, Wednesday night. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And so total surrender. Have you totally surrendered to the Lord? That's the question. You know, it's said that when Lord Nelson defeated the French Navy, that this defeated admiral pulled up, by the ship of Lord Nelson, or next to the ship of Lord Nelson. And he got on board to surrender. And as he approached Nelson, he, he had his sword swinging on his side there. And, and so he reached out his hand to this defeated admiral, reached out his hand to surrender to Nelson. And, and Nelson, before he reached out his hand to return a shake, Nelson said, present your sword, sir. And so the defeated admiral gave him his sword. So laying down the sword was just a visible token of surrender. Very important. So the point is, you and I must be willing to lay down our sword of rebellion and selfishness in order for Christ to have full control over our lives and authority over our lives. And only then will we have the attitude to come and pray, not... My will be done, but your will be done, O oh Lord. So what's involved in lordship? Number one, full submission, total surrender. Number two, the uh, recognition of ownership. Ownership. Acts 10, 36. Lord, he's Lord over all. He's Lord over all. 
That word Lord, kuros, carries the ideal of an owner who has control of all possessions. And so when we submit to the Lordship of Christ, we have to realize that we don't own anything. Everything belongs to Him. So the point is, unless you realize the fact that Christ is Lord over all, then He really is just, He reigns over you just a so-called reign. Um, Something that we say, but really is not truthful in our life. Not truly, not truly belonging to Him as He would like for us to be. David said this in, in Chronicles, First Chronicles 29. Listen to what he said. Right after the money was received for the tabernacle, he said, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours, and yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. And so we have to recognize, hey, we don't know anything. He's Lord over all. He's, he's Lord over everything that we have. So the essence of life is not ownership. The essence of life is stewardship. We're just loan things that God owns while we're here on this old earth. And so the the, the faithful management of what God has entrusted with us is what's important. It's stewardship. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. And so we have to remember, recognize, total surrender, what does it involve? Total surrender, recognizing God owns everything. Full surrender. Recognition of ownership. And third, unquestionable obedience. Unquestionable obedience. Luke 6, verse 46. He said, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So the point is, there's, there's one outstanding piece of evidence that Jesus Christ is Lord. One outstanding piece of evidence that you are a true follower of His that you're a true disciple of His, and that is obedience. Your performance speaks a lot louder than your words. It's your obedience. And so the test is not what I say, but the test is what I do to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. So the big question as we end is, Jesus Christ, your Lord, have you submitted to His Lordship? Jesus Christ is Lord over all, when do I submit? When I got saved. What's involved? Full submission, recognition of ownership, unquestionable obedience. And so is Jesus Christ your Lord. Would you be willing today to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ? How do you do that? Then you trust Christ. You believe the gospel, the gospel that Christ came and He died on the cross for our sins and He was raised the third day. He ascended into heaven. Are you willing to believe that and trust Him and nothing else for your salvation? Place your faith and trust in Him for your salvation. Embrace Him as the Lord of your life. Romans 10, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, confess what? Jesus Christ is my Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You'll be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the point is, would you be willing today to make Jesus Christ, to not make, but to accept the, or submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Maybe you've been saved. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I don't know about this Lordship thing. Well, you know now. And so just pick up from today. And say, Lord, I've failed you in the past of giving you full control of my life. Going where you wanted me to go, doing what you wanted me to do, saying what you wanted me to say, being what you wanted me to be. But I'm picking up today and I'm recommitting myself to you as Lord of my life. So the proof of your salvation is your willingness to obey Him. Remember, three categories. You never submitted to the Lord, Lordship of Christ. You're lost. You're saved. You're submitted to His Lordship. You're, you're being obedient. You're saved, but you're backslidden. And you can't say, not so, and Lord, in the same sentence. It just doesn't happen that way. I found this years ago, and I've shared it, I think, before, but I'm going to share it again. Two-thirds of the New Testament, 18 books, have no mention as Jesus Christ as Savior. Two out of four Gospels do not mention Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus is referred to as Savior 15 times in the New Testament. He's referred to as the Son of God 37 times. He's referred to as the teacher 42 times. He's referred to as Christ 543 times. But he's referred to as Lord 618 times. So where's the emphasis? The saving? No, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 verse 6 says this, As ye therefore receive Jesus, the Lord, walk ye in him. And so today, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do that today. You say, well, how do I do that, Brother Sammy? You just do that by willing to believe that Christ came. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He arose again. And one day, He's coming back. And every, every word in this book is true. And we're looking forward for His coming. And um, He's coming back for His church according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and those who put their faith and trust in Him will go up to be with Him and be with Him forever and forever. And that's the next thing on God's calendar to happen. And if you're here and never trusted Christ, you'll be left behind. There's no doubt about that. But there's no need of that. You can put your faith and trust in Him today. As we have the invitation hymn, you simply step out. And say, Brother Sammy, I want to know how to be saved. And after everybody leaves, we'll just have a short visit. And you'll, I'll share with you how you can know for certain you'll have eternal life.